For the first time since 2002, your Cleveland Browns are headed back to the NFL playoffs. 18 long, long years. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble and Nathan Zagura. And well, with such great news, we have to bring back the best podcast available. And gentlemen, a pleasant Tuesday morning to you and yours. And Gribble, uh, I'll start with you. What a... What a five-month period this has been. From the moment we set foot back in Berea, they allowed us back in Berea for training camp. And we were back in Berea basically until right before Thanksgiving, before we got the boot and got thrown back out. But I'll tell you what, it has been crazy. It's been up. It has been down. And yet somehow, here we are getting ready for Wild Card Weekend, Browns and Steelers 2021. Yeah, you know, it's crazy to think that it's been five months already. It does seem like we were just doing this uh, all so so soon ago. But at the same time, this really has been a day-by-day grind for both the Browns and the rest of the NFL. And the Browns, I think, navigated it better than the majority of teams in the NFL. And that's why the Browns are in the playoffs today. I think a lot of teams had a lot of adversity thrown their way, whether it be through COVID, whether it be through injuries, whether it be through anything else. The Browns had their fair share of it, so did a lot of NFL teams, but I think the Browns and their focus, their mentality created by Kevin Stefanski, that it guided them through this in the weirdest NFL season we'll ever experience, and the Browns played their best football we've seen since 1994. It was just it really was, but it was about the day-by-day process that Kevin Stefanski instilled and this team really embodied. Zagura, we were under a 10 by 10 tent for like three weeks and we were socially distanced. And I mean, a hundred yards away from the players trying to figure out what we were doing for training camp. You were anchoring Browns, Browns live and all the craziness that was going on with that. And in the blink of an eye, here we are week 18 of the of the NFL season getting ready for wild card weekend your thoughts on on a crazy crazy year yeah well first of all it's great to be with you guys it's great to be doing the first ever playoff edition of the BPA with you guys I got a chance on Monday to do the first ever playoff edition of Cleveland Browns daily which you give a we had a great time with that and it's just it's such a treat to be here for the great fans of this organization and for this city because man, I know how much they wanted it, how much they needed it. And to finally get it is awesome. Now the team, certainly they want more. They're not done. And now the task is to go one and oh again this weekend. But, you know, first of all, it's just miraculous. The NFL finished its season. Every team played every game. We finished an NFL season in the face of this global pandemic, which is, is miraculous. I think when you actually look back at it and think about what happened to every other major professional sport that the NFL did it on time in the schedule, it laid out. And I think we all thought, you know, all right, here's the schedule. Let's try to get to 12 games. Let's try to get something that resembles a season so we can have a real champion. No, you got all 17 games. Then the Browns go 11 and five. And if they didn't, If they went 10 and six, they wouldn't have made the playoffs, which is again, insane. And that's with an extra playoff team with seven playoff teams. You needed to go 11 and five this year. And the Browns did it amazingly. The AFC North got three teams in, whether it was a 16 playoff or a seven, three teams from the AFC North made it us, the Ravens and the Steelers who ended up winning the division. But, you know, I think Gribbs hit on something that is the perfect encapsulation of, of everything that happened. And that is Kevin Stefanski and the culture that he and Andrew Barry have brought to this organization. And I always talk about the three P's 
the preparation. He's got the preparation. He's got the plan and the process to implement the plan. And I think his commitment to that process day after day, the focus on the work and let everything else take care of itself day after day throughout the season, same after wins as he was after losses. That allowed this team to have the resilience that Gribbs talked about, to have the perseverance, to overcome games when everybody you thought was going to be starting in your secondary wasn't available to you. And to do the things that they've done week after week after week. How about this? We never lost consecutive games this year. Never. And we won't. We will end this season no matter how it ends, whether it wins with, ends with four straight victories or unfortunately the playoff run comes to an end. At no point will the Browns have been defeated twice in a row. And that to me is the epitome of resilience and I think that is to me a credit is due obviously the guys who execute on the field but this coaching staff this organization and Joel Batonio talked about it in the victory speech everybody rowing in the same direction how proud he is a guy who was drafted back in 2014 thought look we're seven and four in the middle of that season this is what it's going to be and it takes all the way until now to finally get to the playoffs for Joel Batonio but he said it's the culture change that he is the most proud of because that's sustainable we are doing things that are sustainable in this organization. This won't be, we're going to be in the playoffs and so we're going to have to wait 18 years again. Oh no, this is going to be a regular occurrence, but we're going to stay here in the present and cherish this one. Yeah. And, let's, let's get the first one in Gribbs. And Nathan, to add to that, there was only four teams in the NFL that didn't lose consecutive games this year, both number one seeds, the Packers and the chiefs, and then the Colts. That's some good company to be in. And I, I think that, the fact that the Browns got in and they would have gotten in under last year's format, granted week 17 would have looked a little bit different uh, under the old format, but uh, it's just a testament to how really good this season was. And truly for the Browns, the best season they've had since 1999. I mean, it's just, it, it's clear cut. It was the best. And you even look back at some of those games in the schedule, maybe you could have won that Raiders game. There was even, there was much more winnable games, the Jets game as well. This was a special season for this team and, and they grinded through each, each single game. All right, so my question to you guys, as, as I stated in our rundown, the top three reasons the Browns were able to get back to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. We'll go from three to one. Uh, Gribble, I'll start with you. Your third, uh, your number three reason, how the Browns were able to get back. Well, I think it was the improvements on the offensive line. I, I think that that was clear from uh, day one where th they, they added – uh, Jack Conklin and free agency, which made your draft a lot easier. And you added Jedrick Wills. And I think both of those players were as advertised. And even for, I think Jedrick Wills was probably better than we thought, considering he had to make the move from right tackle to left tackle coming out of college. Conklin was solid as usual. And then all of a sudden you have the emergence of this beast in Wyatt Teller, right guard, who I don't know if any of us were banking on that kind of performance out of him. And so when you have this offensive line that's this good and playing under Bill Callahan, you're able to withstand the amount of injuries and other adversity that this offensive line dealt with this season. I, I think that if you had dealt with the injuries that the Browns offensive line had this year in the past, they'd have been in some big trouble, but you were able to go to guys like Chris Hubbard. Uh, Kendall Lamb was able to help, help out. Nick Harris stepped in big in the Giants game. You had the depth to survive the amount of injuries you had on this offensive line, and now you're healthy and full, at full strength. And that offensive line made your running game great. It made Baker Mayfield a lot better. It was the biggest thing you did in the offseason, and it paid off in a big way this season. Zagura, your number three reason the Browns were able to get back to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. I'm going to say Miles Garrett. Uh, he'll be the number three reason for me because, and we'll talk about this offense, I'm sure, as we go on. But the first eight games of the season, outside of Cincinnati and Dallas, we were not exactly an offensive juggernaut. 
And we were certainly not the team that we became in the second half of the season offensively. And it was Miles Garrett. There was a game, what, he had four straight games where he had a sack strip fumble. I mean, he was going towards being the defensive player of the year. Unfortunately, COVID, that happened. And, and you know, that affected him, made him miss a couple games and affected him, as he still said to this day. But Miles Garrett in the first half of the season, remember Olivier Vernon, who finished the season with nine sacks and a huge loss losing him at the end of that game against the Steelers. I don't think he had a sack in the first six games of the year. And so it was Miles Garrett was a one-man wrecking crew. And that defense in the first eight games of the season led the NFL with 17 takeaways. Now, the second eight-game season, completely different story. But that first eight games of the season, it was Miles Garrett and his ability to just completely wreck games week after week after week that was critical. And it started in that week two game, which we had to have against Cincinnati. He gets this extra fumble right at the goal line, changes that one. Does it? It just seemed like every week. And so Miles Garrett, just an incredible season, finishing with 12 sacks and becoming you know the first Browns player in franchise history to have double digit sacks three seasons in a row so uh Gribble number two for you I, I'm gonna go at the quarterback position it's Baker Mayfield I think that his improvement from year two to year three is why this team got to where it, it needed to be and I think not only did he improve from year two to year three but there were some dramatic improvements after the bye week and I think that the, the biggest number for him is the drop in interceptions. I mean, he, he went from have, being among the league leaders in interceptions last year to having only eight uh, this, this season. And I know we made a lot about that streak in the middle of the season where he didn't throw an interception. He's ending the season now with, I think, roughly about 115 straight passes without an interception. So uh, playing fantastic football has been the leader of this team, a more mature, a more humble version of, of Baker Mayfield. Uh, and really... I think you saw early in the season him getting a grasp of the Stefanski offense and then the second half of the season kind of a mastery of it and really he went at the team went as he went and he got better as the season went on and the, and the offense simply just got better as the season went on and he won this team some games in some really tough spots. So Gura, number two for you. All right, I'm going to go the running back tandem that was operating behind that offensive line that Gribbs talked about as his number three, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And, you know, those two spectacular. Chubb misses four games, but still runs for a thousand, over a thousand yards, 1,067 yards, 12 touchdowns, leads the NFL 5.6 yards per carry. And then you've got Kareem Hunt, 11 total touchdowns on the season, nearly 1,200 total yards of his own, and six receiving touchdowns on the season. I'm sorry, five receiving touchdowns on the season for Kareem Hunt, which made him the most effective receiving touchdown leader on our team. So I just thought that those two guys and the variety with which they were used and employed was phenomenal. The running game, when they were both on the field, we were as good a running football team as anybody in the NFL. What Kareem gives you as a receiver, especially in the red zone, just a total mismatch waiting to happen. A blocker on Maserati, the quarterback sweep to, to seal the game against the Steelers. I mean, those two guys did everything that you could have asked. And I'm kind of excited to see what our playoff mix with those two looks like. But Nick Chubb, probably the best running back in the league. You know, he's in, it's, it's him, it's Derrick Henry, it's Dalvin Cook. Uh, and then you think of a dual threat guy, you know, Kareem Hunt, a former NFL leading rusher in his own right. 
those guys are electric and it's no surprise that we have an identity. We had an identity. The offensive line, I think was the backbone of this football team. And then the running game, that was our identity. And that gave time again, that first half of the season was critical because we were not clicking on all cylinders as an offense, but we knew we could do two things. Well, we, Miles Garrett could go wreck a game and we could run the football with Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt. And that propelled us to five and three in those first eight games when I don't think we were necessarily playing our best football yet. Gribble, your number one reason why the Browns are back in the playoffs. Well, I alluded it to the at the top, but it's it's Kevin Stefanski. I mean, it, I think that it's the culture he installed. It's the offense he installed. It's it's just everything that he brought to the table. And I, I know he's not a not a guaranteed guy to win the NFL Coach of the Year. I think Sean McDermott's probably maybe going to get that award because the Bills finished. But it's hard to find a more worthy candidate for NFL Coach of the Year than what Kevin Stefanski has done. And it's just. This is a different, this is a lot of the same faces from 2019, but it is a completely different team. And I think amid all the circumstances, the adversity they had in the offseason, installing a new offense, installing a new defense, the list goes on and on and on. And just the week by week uh, things he had to deal with, the day by day things he dealt, dealt with, steady hand the entire way. And I think that's what this team needed with a lot of big personalities, a lot of guys who are, who are getting better as players the exact coach you needed for this situation. And, and he, he delivered uh, when you're in the same uh, breath as Paul Brown with most coaches, most wins as a rookie coach for the Browns, you've done something right. Zagura, number one for you. Well, you made it very difficult on me since I had to go second every single time <laughs> in, in this, which makes it a real challenge. So I have to zig and zag. But what I'll say is, and Kevin Stefanski is going to be my number one, but I'll say Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta, the three of them together. And it's everything that, that Gribbs talked about with Kevin Stefanski. You know, as Money Mitch said to me, he's got no fluster. And when your head coach has no fluster, your team has no fluster. And this was a team that if you go through a lot of our wins in the olden days, you would have said, oh, and this is where they lost the game. And this is where they lost the game. And there's where they found a way to lose the game. But what this team did was found a way to win all of those games. They made it interesting sometimes, but they found a way to win all of those games. And Kevin Stefanski deserves a lot of credit. Andrew Barry deserves a ton of credit as well because he came in here and you have them all working in unison. And I think that's so important. In this organization, at times it ha that has not been the case. And to have that be the case now, I think is clearly very helpful. Andrew Barry, I thought, did a great job with some of the moves in the draft. And you think about Jacob Phillips in week 17, has to play all 67 defensive snaps, does it, plays at a high level. You're getting a ton out of a sixth-round pick in Donovan Peoples-Jones. You needed Nick Harris to step in, a fifth-round pick that you only got because of your, you know, chutzpah to move back in the second round, still get Grant Delpit and pick up that free fifth round that turns into Nick Harris, who makes a huge start for you and basically comes in and plays a great game and one that you had to have on Sunday night football against the Giants. You know, it's those things from this draft class. Elliot's had his moments. And you think about Harrison Bryant, fourth round pick, all the things that he's done. Jedrick Wills has been sensational. You think about the free agents. Austin Hooper has been great. You talk about Jack Conklin and remaking the line and all the things that he has done and just all the little pieces, everything bringing together and, and really the culture and character of the guys they want here. Smart, tough, accountable. That's what we've heard all season. And you got that. And you've done this. And I think this, this is another big piece of credit for him. You still managed to be reasonable on the back end of your defense. When you think about the fact that it was supposed to be Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, Greedy hasn't played a snap. Grant Delpit hasn't played a snap for you all year. You make the great trade to get Ronnie Harrison, who's turned out, I think, to be one of our best players and is going to be a centerpiece of our future, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. But 
just the vision and understanding Andy Janovich, a perfect fit for what you do. So you go out and get him. Those things, those moves, I think were just tremendous by Andrew Barry and shaping this roster. And you can't get everything. Sure, there are still holes, but yet another offseason to try to work and adjust some of those things. And then Paul D. Podesta, because he's been here five years and he's had his ups and downs in the media. He's had his ups and downs with this franchise and yet stuck to his convictions about what the best practices were. And I believe without Paul D. Podesta, I don't know that you end up with Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. And so he has to get a lot of credit as well for all of this. And you have three people at the top who have all the traits of the people that you know in your lives. Everybody who's listening, we say, yeah, that guy's really successful. That's a very successful man or woman. And they have certain characteristics and traits. Those three of those people all have them and they're leading your organization. So kudos to those three. Kudos to the Haslams who continue to try and find the right mix over and over at great expense to themselves. And a great, you know, dealing with a lot of flack from the media and dealing with a lot of very hard times. And yet they were committed to getting it right. And they finally have. So kudos to all those people at the top of our organization, because without that, you don't have the culture. You can't have the culture without everybody buying in. What you see here is a team and an organization that is bought in to what those people at the top are doing. And that's why that's the number one reason why we are where we are today. All right, that's a look on how we got here. Time now for our celebrity guest appearance on the best podcast available. No, it's not Nathan Zagura. John Greco with a few minutes here to join us on our playoff preview edition of the best podcast available. A former Brown, an NFL vet, but uh, a guy that's from Northern Ohio and from Northeast Ohio. And you played your college football here. You played the bulk of your professional career here. What did what did Sunday mean to you to see the Browns knock off the Steelers and get into the playoffs finally for the first time in 18 years? It meant so much. And the excitement level was through the roof. You know, watching the game, watching them close it out, the way that they did with Baker finishing it uh, on, that, on that nice run. Uh, just, just excited. You know, I was looking at Twitter, looking at Instagram, talking, texting all my buddies, looking at the social media of my uh, former teammates that played with me in Cleveland, and they were extending their congratulations and their excitement. So it means a lot to everybody that used to play with the organization. Uh, all my buddies that I grew up with around this area are still huge Browns fans, their parents, their parents. So it's generations of Browns fans that, are, that were able to breathe a sigh of relief yesterday that they did actually get over the hump. And, and like I, like I kind of used, uh, I was talking to somebody earlier today, they are at the door of, of turning this thing around and, and busting through. And I think they're right there guys. And um, it was just an exciting thing. I'm happy for the players. I'm happy for all the fans, everybody involved with the organization. Uh, and, and I think there are bright things to come. All right. Here's our segment. It's called One Thought. I'm going to give you a player, a coach, a position group. Give me one thought on not what you saw in week 17 necessarily, but what you've seen throughout the 2020 season, Zagura. How long can the thought be? Is it just like a one sentence or is it like, can you expand? Can you have a thesis? If you want, if you want to expand, we don't want to like, it, this isn't an hour long podcast. It's quick. It's quick. Yeah. We okay. want to keep it moving here a little bit, but. Yeah, I, I know you You Got like it. to overachieve, and we'll, we'll let you do that. And actually, I'll let you kick this off, since I didn't let you kick off anything in segment one. <laughs> one thought, uh, 
about our quarterback, Baker Mayfield. We'll start with him. Just tremendous progress and, and everything that you wanted to see. You know, the one thing they always say is the eye in the sky doesn't lie. And to see Baker Mayfield go from a quarterback in the first half of the season that at times appeared uncomfortable still, a quarterback that at times appeared to predetermine where he was going to go with the ball, whose footwork was not necessarily matched up with his eyes, to seeing the quarterback that he's become over the second half of the season when I think he's been a, a top five quarterback in the NFL, and so do the statistics, a guy who knows where he wants to go with the football, who is confident and comfortable, who is making good decisions, climbing the pocket, delivering the football on on time, spreading it around, just playing kind of point guard, his feet matched up with his eyes so that he's able to go through one, two, three progressions and then deliver the ball. Uh, it's tremendous and is taking care of it. That's the other thing. 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So guy threw over 20 interceptions a year ago. Massive, tremendous progress. And I would say the arrow is absolutely pointing up. Gribble, uh, one thought for our running back, Nick Chubb, please. I think he's going to be fresh going into the playoffs. And I think that that is a very good thing. I, yeah. I agreed with, I agreed with Stefanski yesterday. I thought that touchdown run, I don't know if I've ever seen Nick Chubb run harder than that. And that's saying something because he has had a lot of those big touchdown runs, but I think he is a player that I would really circle for Sunday's game against the Steelers, because that is a miss. That is an area where the Steelers are struggling of late is stopping the run. And I, part of me just thinks, you have that game with a lead all the way, keep Nick Chubb fresh and ready to go. And I think he is going to, he is poised for a big game on Sunday night. John, I'm going to skip over Landry. We'll get to him in here in just a minute, but your level of expertise really centers on that Browns offensive line. So I'll give you the Browns offensive line as a group. This is a perfect segue to this, uh, this group, just what those two gentlemen just covered. They have been the difference makers this season. It was a group that needed addressed in the offseason, and it was the focus, obviously, bringing in Jack Conklin, drafting Jedrick Wills. And, you know, there was a lot of question marks at right guard, and all Wyatt Teller did was come in and perform at an extremely high level. You have a pro bowler, probably an all-pro caliber player in Joel Batonio, and J.C. Treader, who's one of the smartest, uh, one of the better uh, centers in the NFL. So what all those guys did, the way they came together with the chemistry, the way they gelled, and they're able to give Baker time, like Nathan was saying, you see he has confidence in the pocket. You see he's able to go through his progressions. And then, like Drew was saying, with Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt, those guys are having success because the guys up front are moving bodies. They're displacing the line of scrimmage. They're running. They're playing physical, and they're finishing on the second level, and it's been very, very fun to watch. Zagura, back to you. Jarvis? Landry. You're welcome. Merry I wanted that one. First of all, courtesy of our great PR staff, he's done something as a Brown that hasn't been done since Eric Metcalf, which is throw a touchdown, catch a touchdown and run for a touchdown in the same season. But I'll just say, this is my one thought. I love him. I love Jarvis Landry. He, to me, is the heart and soul of this team. I think trading for him a couple of years ago is the best move this franchise made, other than hiring Kevin Stefanski. In terms of what he brought and meant to the culture of this team, he will compete no matter what, no matter what the shape of his body is in. He will make every catch you need him to. He obviously has a cannon and a perfect quarterback rating. He cannot be stopped when throwing the football. He just ran one in this week. Uh, everything about him, blocking. You can't have this offense work. You cannot have all the big 
runs without your wide receivers being committed to blocking down the field. He is committed to that. And he got everybody in that room along with Chad O'Shea to be committed to that. I, I think that Jarvis Landry is everything that is right about the Cleveland Browns. I want him to finish his career with the Cleveland Browns. I love him and I hope someday he helps get us to a Super Bowl. And there's a Jarvis statue because to me, he is everything and everything that is right about and embodies what it truly means to be a Cleveland Brown. All right, we'll get back to the guy that uh, one would argue is the franchise, face of the franchise in just a minute. But Gribble, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Browns' secondary. Well, unfortunately, it's kind of been the one question mark. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, that it's just a rotating door. I mean, you go all the way back to training camp. Grant Delpit suffers the injury. Greedy Williams suffers the injury. Kevin Johnson was out for a while. He wasn't ready to go at the start of the season. Uh, and then now you circle back all the way to the end of the season. You go into your final game. Denzel Ward's out. Kevin Johnson's out. Andrew Sineo's out. So that's, those are three very important players in your secondary that even when it's healthy is not among the best in the league that has had its issues. So it's one area that if you're going to circle this area of the team needs to step up for the Browns to win a playoff game. That's the one that, that it's going to be. I think they found something early in the game with, with Joseph and Harrison at the safety positions. I think that's an option you have to go for this game. And I just think you're going to need a, a big, a, a bigger and better game out of Robert Jackson, Terrence Mitchell at those corner spots. You've got the interception from MJ Stewart. You've got to assume going into this game, that's what you've got against this Pittsburgh wide receiving core. Uh, and they're just going to need to play a bigger and better game. And I think personally, before we get in the matchups, just throwing it out there, I don't think Roethlisberger plays the same game as Rudolph. I'm not as worried about those 40 yard prayers that Rudolph was throwing up there last week. It's going to be more about, uh, guarding them on short, quick passes and making the tackles when they're there. Mr. Greco, your thoughts on one Miles Garrett in 2020. I mean, Miles has been everything is advertised. You know, they drafted him to be a guy that's going to come in and dominate games. And he, is, he hasn't fell short of that. When he is on the field, he is affecting every play. Whether he's not getting – if he's not getting a sack, he is – you know, affecting guards, tackles, eyes. They have to game plan for him, slide his way, put extra sets of hands on him. He's his, When he gets near the quarterback, he's getting his hand at the ball. Obviously, he has the forced fumbles and the takeaways uh, and the sack numbers. And I think when he's healthy, he's a defensive player of the year candidate every year. When he's healthy, he'll be a pro bowler, a perennial pro bowler, all pro. And I think he has the, the capability and the talent and the work ethic and the skill set to be a defensive player of the year candidate every year if he stays healthy, but he, he has not, he has been pressed me every week that he's been out there. He's still a dangerous player. When I was on the team, you know, during training camp and we had to block him, it was a total nightmare and every team has, you know, you, you want a guy on that, on your team like that, that he causes issues uh, offensively. All right. Before I let you go, John, and we appreciate the time here today. Uh, a, a look at the battle in the trenches that's going to come uh, the way on Sunday. And obviously, we could talk about all the skill position guys, but it really comes down to the offensive line and the defensive line of the Cleveland Browns winning their matchups uh, on Sunday. What are you seeing here in the early going as these teams get ready to face each other for a third time and twice in one week? Well, I agree with Andrew. I think that they were kind of resting Nick Chubb, and I think we're getting ready to see – him really get the safety off and let him go go full steam. 
Uh, and what that means is this offensive line is just going to have to win their one-on-one matchups. They're all going to be healthy. We've seen them work together in their combination blocks have been flawless. I watched them on tape and watched their replays and the way that they take care of the line of scrimmage and get up to the second level, they're doing it the best in the business and, and the best in this NFL or this league. And, you know, when, when you see the personnel that they're going to be going against, they're going to see arrested Cam Hayward. They're going to see arrested to it. Uh, obviously TJ Watt. So they're going to have their hands full. Um, but, but I think they're, they're the right guys up for the job. I know that they're going to do some things to help Jedrick Wills, the young rookie with TJ Watt, those two interior guys, do such a good job of creating pressure in the middle and compressing the pocket and TJ Watt feasts on the, on quarterbacks because they have nowhere to go. They can't step up in the pocket and he's able to bend, bend the corner and get to them. But I think our line is up for the job. We have some very stout guys in the interior in Wyatt and Joel that are going to help keep those defensive tackles on the line of scrimmage and our tackles are going to be locking them down. John, appreciate a few minutes of your day this week. I sure, I'm sure we'll be talking with you again as the week uh, progresses. And of course, we look forward to hearing you on Sunday on Brown's Network pregame starting at 4.30 and uh, at 6.30 as well, uh, leading up all the way to kickoff at 8.15 Sunday night, Browns and Steelers. John, appreciate it as always, and best wishes the rest of this week. Guys, thank you. Go Browns. Thanks to John Greco for his time and uh, the former Cleveland Brown, very excited. And obviously from being from Northeast Ohio as well, uh, a, a big moment for him on Sunday, seeing this team go back to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. The playoffs are here guys. And uh, the Brown Steelers, one of six games on wildcard weekend, three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, on Saturday, Colts, Bills, Rams, Seahawks. Hmm. Saturday night, Tampa Bay, Washington. We'll get to that. Wow, how about that? That's right. The early game, Baltimore, Tennessee, Bears, Saints, the middle game, and then Browns, Steelers on Sunday night. The buys go to Kansas City and Green Bay. Gribble, uh, when you first look at this bracket, what uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, You know, it's it's a – the one thought that comes to my mind is – tough break for the Titans. You win the division and now you got to host the Ravens who I think are playing arguably the best football in the NFL right now. I I would not, that that's not much of a gift and it's not great when you go into a season, you're 11 and five, you host a playoff game and you are an underdog in in your home stadium. I I think that's a, that's a tough beat. And it almost makes you wonder would the Titans have been better off losing their first, their game yesterday and going to play Buffalo. I don't know. Both teams are playing great, but I don't know if I want to face the Ravens right now. Zagura, your thoughts when you see that bracket? The AFC's loaded. I mean, that's the first thing that I look at. You had to win 11 games to get into the playoffs this year. And that to me is an incredible, incredible feat. And, you know, I think the Chiefs are great. I don't think the Chiefs have really been trying to put their best foot forward at any point this year. They just do what they have to do to win. And, and I'm curious to see what they look like once they're unleashed. I think the Bills are playing the best football in the NFL right now and are incredibly, incredibly tough. Uh, I was very happy. I think the Browns match up better with the Steelers than they do with the Bills. So I thought getting the sixth seed was very important there. And then you're right. The Ravens are playing excellent football. But again, this is a Titans team that beat them in the playoffs 
last year. But before I say, oh, well, it's the same kind of matchup, it is not. The Titans' defense is horrible. And last year, the Titans' defense was great. They played great defense. They ran it. Tannehill was throwing it about 10 times a game. This year, Tannehill's playing as well as anybody in the league, to be honest. I mean, the guy can make every throw. You saw what he could do with his legs in that that win over the Texans. And he's been sharp all year. A.J. Brown's a tremendous receiver. Corey Davis is having a great year. Derrick Henry is doing everything that you could possibly want from a running back but they have to win shootouts each and every single week. And that is hard to do because one misstep here or there, one turnover, et cetera, derails it. And so it's a totally different matchup than it was a year ago. And the Ravens, if they showed anything when they came here on Monday night, and I still don't think we played our best football and could have easily won that game. It's that they can play in shootouts this year. And so that I think the, the Tennessee defense is its big Achilles heel. And I think that's what's going to ultimately end up costing them in that game. Now, if they get out to a big lead early, if it goes the other way, the Ravens have a couple turnovers early, then I think it favors them. The Ravens still, to me, need to play in kind of a neutral to positive game script. But the Titans defense is so bad. I just don't see them building a big lead on the Ravens without the Ravens scoring the football. Odds, each one of you, give me the odds that Kansas City and Green Bay actually make it to the Super Bowl as the number one seeds. Zagura, you can go first. I mean, I, I don't even know how to respond to this. Odds, I don't know. I think, look, they're both the favorites to win their conferences. I think Kansas City is a very, okay. very... How about this? Either, yeah. neither, or both make it to the Super Bowl. I think it is much more like if you had to wager on one, I think the highest odds is that one of the two will make it. But that I think it'll be difficult for both to make it. It wouldn't surprise me. None of the scenarios would surprise me. I think the most likely is that one makes it. I just think the AFC is loaded. I think the Bills are playing so well. I think the Ravens, with the right game script, even though they've never beaten the Chiefs in this era, they can beat them. I think the Browns can beat anybody when we play our game. I just think the AFC is, is a pretty loaded conference. I, I don't. The Titans' defense, to me, they're the one team that I don't think has a chance because their defense is so bad. Um, but any of the other teams, I think, have, have a chance to get hot and make a run, and that's what it's about. And then the NFC... That's a much different playoff to me. That's a playoff where you've got Green Bay, who's real. I think you've got the Saints, who can beat anybody who are real. The Bucks are starting to get, I don't know what they did, but that passing offense all of a sudden is starting to look good. Maybe it's the Taco Bell they knew was coming down their way that they're excited about, but they're starting to look good. Now, Mike Evans, if he's out, I think that's a major loss for them. They still have Antonio Brown and Godwin, but Evans and his size is a difference maker for them. So I think that those three teams are real the Seahawks I'm not ready their defense is playing much better but something's weird with their offense I don't know what it is but I won't count them out the other teams over there forget Washington football team is not going far the Bears are not going far but you have I think four real teams over there and the Rams obviously without Goff and we don't know what's good they're just I don't think they're going to be able to ride that defense all the way so whereas I think you got six serious contenders over in the AFC. I think it's only four in the NFC, but the four in the NFC are really good. Gribble, either, neither, both. I'm going to go with either. And I think I'm more of a stronger lean toward the Chiefs being the one that's more likely to get to the Super Bowl because I I agree with Nate. I think they've been on cruise control this entire season. I mean, it's like the quietest 14 and two season that if they played anyone yesterday would have been 15 and one. I, I, I just think that, they, they were so good and so comfortable with who they are all year. I just think the Bills are, are, are a total wagon right now. You don't want to face them, but they are maybe one year away, I think, from being able to get past Kansas City. I think they need one more year together with their system for me to like them over the Chiefs. And on the flip side, I think the Packers have they've been good. 
but then they got housed by Tampa Bay earlier this season. And they've had games where they start out fast and then their offense just goes into a cave. I mean, you, you, you don't know what's going on with them, but I just don't know who the competition It's the, the NFC is just so weird with what's going on. I mean, the Rams don't have a quarterback. I mean, and you mentioned the saints. I mean, would you be stunned if the bears beat them in the first round, if they don't have Kamara? I mean, that, that is a huge player to not have, with the way Drew Brees has just been not good this year, the Bears are a good defense. They can make life difficult for him. I mean, that's if I'm picking a surprise, that would be my biggest – that would be the biggest surprise because I don't think that the Bears kind of maybe match up well with the Saints, especially when they don't have one of the best players in the NFL on the field. If that game were in Chicago and Drew Brees had to play outdoors, I would feel a lot better about the Bears' chances. The thing that – so I, I'll say this. If it's Green Bay, New Orleans in the NFC Championship game – in Green Bay, I don't think the Saints have a chance unless right. Kamara just completely takes over the game or they go Taysom Hill. Breeze has been bad outside for years, years, and he's going to be even worse now. He's lost even more miles per hour off that fastball. He's old. He's not as accurate as he was. They, I don't think they have a chance outdoors. The only reason I think that they're going to comfortably beat the Bears is that they're indoors. And Latavius Murray, as far as having a backup running back that you need in a one-game situation, is pretty good. But obviously, Kamara is the one who makes that offense go period, end of story. And I don't know what happened to Michael Thomas this year. I know he's fighting people. I know he's unhappy. He's hurt, this, that, whatever. But his disappearance this season is one for the ages. And I, I know if you were a fantasy owner of his, you know that more than anybody, but just insane. Yeah. And, and the, the, the Bears gave another old quarterback a lot of issues this season. Playing Tomas, for Tampa Bay. Taco Bell, Taco Bell Tom? So I, I, I'm not as bad as the Bears were. I mean, they lost five straight games this year and they're in the playoffs. That's got to be like one of the first times that's ever happened. But they're a, they're not they're a tricky eight and eight team that sure. give you problems because anyone that plays defense in twenty twenty is not a team you want to face. It's like wow, a defense like you know it's 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 just a weird matchup. And I unins I mean Drew Brees is talking about retirement. Like it's just I don't know. I don't I don't love Maybe the Saints in this spot. Jameis, let's go. <laughs> let's push. Let's hit the break. Let's hit the break on that. All right, that's a look at the at the big NFL playoff picture. Before we go, this is Tuesday. So we're not going to get into, you know, the biggest things involving our game because a lot still to be determined. You know, we know Olivier Vernon's going to be out. The, the COVID crew, uh, the, just because I don't know what else to call them. We don't know who's going to be in. We don't know who's going to be out yet. There's a lot to, to be determined. Teams won't be back in their buildings until Wednesday. Um, I, I will leave you with this, though, when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, because we've talked about how they've gotten here. If the Browns are to win Sunday night, they must do what? Gribble, one thing from you. I think they've got to force multiple turnovers. And I think that because I think that will be enough to ensure you win the turnover battle. And this team wins every time that they win the turnover battle. I mean, to get through two straight games against the Steelers and not commit a turnover, I, I can't be that greedy. I, I think I'm, I'm banking on maybe one turnover from the offense against the Steelers defense. But I think if you force multiple turnover against, against the Steelers, get to Ben early, makes get him making some bad throws. We saw what happened against the Bengals. I think that, get you on a path to victory because then I have enough trust in the offense that they get the job done. Zagura, 
Yeah, Gribbs is exactly right. Look, we're 10 and 0 this year when we're neutral or win the turnover battle, undefeated. So that is that's one key. The other one that's the key that is also 10 and 0 this year, have the lead at the half. And I think when you go into Pittsburgh, you take the lead into the half. So you get out to a fast start. You don't get in a hole. We were down 10 points in the blink of an eye the last trip there. And then they feed off of that and they get after the quarterback and you start getting nervous. We take the lead and we punch them in the mouth first and we go into the half with the lead again. I think they're, the pressure is on them. The pressure is much more on them than it is on us at that point. And like I said, just, we're 10 and 0, 10 and 0 when we lead at the half. That to me is one of the most unbelievable stats of the season. Same with the turnover one, but it's pretty simple. Our formula is actually pretty simple. Win the turnover battle or be neutral in it, have the lead at the half. When you do that, you, you don't lose. We have not lost the game when those two things have happened. So if he takes turnover battle, I'll say take the lead at the half, can't lose. And as long as by the fourth quarter, when Renegade comes on, it doesn't matter. That's really all I care about. Let, let's just hope for that. I will say this. Since I've been with this team, since 2013, and then on the road for the first year in 2014, I love that stadium. I love the atmosphere. I think it is a darn shame that it is not going to be packed to the brim because it creates one of the best atmospheres in the NFL. And all I have ever wanted was to be in that stadium for a Brown Steelers playoff game. All I've ever wanted, and it's going to happen, and I cannot wait for this Sunday, but it's a shame that it is happening in this year because that environment and to hear if the Browns can do it, and the Browns certainly are capable of doing it, but to hear the deafening silence of that stadium is something, unfortunately, I've never gotten to hear, and I would love to hear it, especially on this stage. But you know what? I'm not going to complain about the fact that those that there's not going to be 70,000 people, silent counts, all that stuff. This is agreed. It, it helps. It helps. Yeah. It does. It does. And there is so much more to come. This is Tuesday morning. There will be a lot more content. The written word on clevelandbrowns.com, Cleveland Browns Daily, Browns Live, all of our media platforms here over the next five or six days. A lot of content. Two-minute drills every day. Two-minute drills every day. What he said. Two-minute drills every day. He's getting crazy. We have a ton of it. We're going to have it all covered for you leading up to kickoff Sunday night at 8.15. Browns, Steelers, wild card weekend. Want to thank Jeff McDaniel for his help. Want to thank John Greco. Want to thank Nathan Zagura and Andrew Gribble. The BPA is coming back for the offseason, but right now it's nothing but the playoffs. Not talking about the offseason. You know what, Gibbs? Hallelujah. We don't even know our draft pick yet. It's a, That's new, right. it's a great new feeling. A great feeling. Yes, it is. It, more, yeah, a fantastic feeling. That's how you end the show, Gribbs. That's how you do it. Mic drop. Walk off the stage. For Nathan Zagura, for Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.